You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. As our guest Lauren Silbert, who is the VP General Manager of The Balance, says... Literally, no one could have predicted what is going on right now in the world and the financial impacts that it would have. If anything, that should just give you a little sense of relief to let go of any negative thoughts you might be having about why you did or maybe didn't make certain money choices before the global pandemic. But we can't go backwards, so I'm all about marching forward. In this episode, Lauren is going to demystify credit score, talk about why it matters, the steps you should take with your lenders and creditors, even if you can still pay your bills, and if you haven't spent your stimulus check yet, some good money tips to help it work for you. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. The Balance is one of my very favorite money sites around, and I look at a lot of money sites, so it's always hard for me to pick a favorite, but they are at the top of the list. And I'm just a big fan of their straightforward advice. I love, they've got this thing called the Money Snapshot on their homepage that gives you a few tips about what's going on in money right now, like the average credit card interest rate, so you can see how your cards stack up which is really important if you've never done that before. So speaking of credit cards, there are a lot of strong (laughs) opinions about credit score and credit cards. If you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I am actually a big fan of credit cards. 
if you can use them in a smart way. And what I mean by that is you can get the rewards, but pay them off in full each month. If not, then I want you to step back and work on your mindset around credit and credit cards first. Now, we're in a a different time, and that might mean you need to pull your credit card out a little bit more than you'd like to. And if that's the case, first, I just want you to know that you're not alone. And second, that it's okay. There's no shame right now in using credit cards. There's no shame right now if your credit score drops a little. It's okay, and it's going to be okay. So Lauren is going to share a ton of great money advice and tips in this episode, including two of the most important components that make up your credit score, what to do with your credit cards right now, and why you should give yourself a little break around money. We were talking just before we hit the record button about just the craziness of the time we're in. You're on the opposite coast of of myself and we're all trying to find words to kind of encapsulate this time that we're in and we're all kind of struggling for some of those words. And I'm curious over at uh, The Balance, I'm sure that there have been some questions that have come up from from readers. People are really unsure of what to think in this time, especially with it when it comes to their money. So I'm curious, are there any any like common questions that you've been fielding over there that just keep coming up? Yes, definitely a lot of common questions. So, you know, you can expect a lot of the really similar ones that you've been hearing out into the world about something new that you've never heard about before. So a lot around, you know, PPP loans and stimulus checks um, and, you know, specific unemployment rates and sort of benefits that people are able to apply for. So those are all things that are kind of new, but you would expect everyone to be dealing with because they are so of the moment. Um, I think a lot of the things that we're interested in is more of this, not more of interested in, but all of the things that are really commonplace, almost things that you should have known or wish someone had taught you when you were much younger about personal finance, because all of these things are really coming to the top, like bubbling to the top of what people need to figure out. So a lot of the things that I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, what do you do with your stimulus checks or, you know, what, how do I cover certain expenses are all really going back to the foundation of, you know, budgeting basics and investing basics. Um, and, you know, how do you manage refinancing or your mortgages or your student loans? And I think they're all, you know, tangentially related to what's going on. But yeah. it's surprising how many of the answers, I think, are really about back to basics, a lot of personal finance and financial literacy stuff that I think this is a really good thing that people are getting the opportunity to learn about right now. Yeah, I so agree. And I I have been saying we've been doing this podcast for five years. And I always talk about that. It's not the quote unquote, sexy things when it comes to money. It's about the the foundation and building the strong foundation and knowing also when the foundation gets rocked, having some of those like if you will, like tools in your toolkit that you can pull out like, okay, yeah, now I'm in this situation. Now I've got to figure out how to cut some expenses or dip into my emergency fund or get my credit score back, uh, Mm -hmm. healthy credit score. I mean, it's all of these things that are not sexy, but you're right. Like it comes back to just knowing the basics and leaning into the basics. Yeah. And I think the idea is that, you know, people often don't learn these unsexy things unless they absolutely have to. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so I think that, you know, I've been saying it's just one of the really good things. I mean, everyone's learning a lot of random new skills. I'm I'm sure everyone's baking bread or something now, whatever people are learning around the world. But I think it's good that one of the things that everyone is learning is just the basics of financial literacy. And I think that the thing that's also really interesting is like, this is a lot of people's first times like interacting even with, you know, their lenders or government agencies in any way. And I think it's, kind of hard to learn about something if you don't have to actually do it with a lot of these things. And so the fact that people are actually putting their learnings into practice immediately is helping people get 
the information and sort of have it stick in their brain a little bit more than it would have in sort of just a like, oh, I need to learn about this type of way. I feel like that's just almost never effective for people. So <laughs> this is a really good opportunity for people to get a crash course. Right, exactly. We're we're going to spin this positively, right? Yes. <laughs> we're, we're having to deal with these things like unemployment and stimulus checks and uh, losing jobs. We're we're going to try and find the silver lining in this. Right. You you talked about uh, the stimulus bill and some of those uh, stimulus checks. I I was wondering if you could walk us through a little bit, like some of the changes that have come out of it, because I know there's been a couple of different versions. And what are some of the things that really relate to uh, maybe some of us who don't run a business uh, in terms of, I know, student loans and those stimulus checks, like what are some of the high level things that that we should know? Yeah. So, you know, I think at this point, a lot of people have gotten their stimulus checks already. So, you know, this may be a little bit later for most people, but although I know there's definitely some people that haven't, and that's just based on when you filed your last tax return and everything like that. Um, so, you know, stimulus checks are, this is part of the CARES Act that is going to provide some sort of, you know, relief and aid to people who have been affected by what's going on with coronavirus. So, what it's doing overall is, you know, giving a huge, huge chunks of money to different parts of the economy, right? So $290 billion to, you know, eligible taxpayers, you know, extra, you, we've been seeing more in like the small business loans and stuff like that. And so what it's doing, let's say for people on just a person to person basis, not on a business basis, is really sending a check of varying amounts um, based on, your earnings on your tax returns. So 2018, 2019 tax returns. Um, it gives you a certain amount of money that you're eligible for. So up to $1,200 there. And really, you know, mostly direct deposit or they'll send a check to you. Um, and, you know, it's supposed to help provide some relief as you're being held over in this time where you may have had a change in income. It's really to help you to continue to stimulate the economy and be able to pay those, you know, bills that you have out there. Um, also enhancing a lot of unemployment insurance. So really giving people an extra potentially $600 a week for four months and extending unemployment for, you know, 13 weeks, um, which is definitely going to be helpful for people in a time where we're just really not sure what the state of a lot of the businesses that we're in are going to be. Um, they also include a lot of, what you know, people may call forbearance or people who don't understand what that means necessarily like a deferment or a right, delayment sure. in your payments um, on federally backed loans of different kinds. So let's say like mortgages and student loans are really big. Um, and so that's what the government is providing there. And I think the important part is, is like that's about a federally backed mortgage or student loan. A lot of private lenders are also sort of jumping on board with the same thing. So as a byproduct of the CARES Act, a lot of private lenders are sort of taking the same things into account. Um, and so it's definitely important, even if you don't have a, you know, government backed loan of a certain kind to contact your lender to make sure they're doing something similar. And then, like we said, you know, the pay tech protection program is giving small businesses up, you know, tons of money up to, I think it's two and a half times your, yeah, your monthly yeah. payroll um, to be able to have your business continue to run there. Um, and then they also provided, you know, assistance to hospitals and governments and stuff like that. Um, but I'd say if you're talking about on a person to person basis, those are like the big things that, that it included. And what would you say are some of maybe the best practices if you get that uh, stimulus check in the mail? Uh, you know, are there are there some places that maybe you should think about putting that money or things you should think about doing that money? Maybe particularly if you're in a situation where you haven't lost your job or your income isn't at, at stake. Obviously, if you've lost your job, your income is at stake. You got to use the money to, to, to hold you over. But if, if you're in the fortunate position where maybe you have some options with that check, are there some things you should be thinking about? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a really good time to build up your cash reserves. <laughs> um, if you don't have it, you know, this is where emergency funds become incredibly important for people. And I think, you know, people are realizing the importance of having one now more than they ever have before. Um, and I think so if you haven't had your income affected, but you don't have an emergency fund, that's where you should be putting your 
stimulus check money right now. If you're able to continue to pay your bills and you can cover your expenses without any changes, you should totally try to do that. Um, this is a really good opportunity. You know, you never know when you're going to be affected by what's going on right now in the economy, right? You could be safe now. Yeah. In three months, you have no idea what's going to happen, you know, with your company. Um, so this is a good time to prepare yourself if you have the opportunity to to have to dip into cash and to dip into an emergency fund. And if you don't have one, you want to do it. And I think right now this is sort of changing people's thought process on how big your emergency funds have to be. I think, you know, there's always been, you know, should it be three to six months? You know, what does it count? You know, I think uh, we're learning right now, probably the longer, the better, (laughs) the more expenses that you can cover, the better. So I think putting that into an emergency fund is great. Um, you know, I think it's also still really important to support your local businesses. So, you know, try to keep doing things that respect social distancing guidelines, but you're able to make donations, order out from restaurants that are in your community. You know, imagine the businesses that are in your community that you would be really upset if they weren't there when everything came back. And, you know, see if you are able and you have an emergency fund set up and your income isn't changing, you're able to cover your expenses, um, you know, see how you can use that to help the businesses in your community. And I think, you know, that's part of what the concept of stimulus is for. <laughs> yes, yes, hopefully, right? We're supposed to sp- spread it around some. Spread spread the money. And, and you talked about, obviously, that most of us don't learn a lot of these things until, of course, we're in the situation, particularly when it comes to money, because there is a lot of fear and shame and guilt or whatever it may be, fill in the blank with the word around money. And we just we just don't talk about it. So that there's just that. But I, I know that there are probably or there probably is somebody listening that is feeling right now some sort of, of guilt or negative feeling around needing unemployment or needing that stimulus check or needing their student loans to be on forbearance. I was wondering if there if you just have any advice that you could speak into of maybe how someone could give themselves a little bit of a break during this time and and not feel like they've they've made a mistake with their money or they haven't done things right. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. 
Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses, and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. Let's get you in the know with some good and not so good consequences to your credit score. Before we get started, let's do a quick refresh on credit score because I feel like it's the one thing where we know we're supposed to pay attention to it, but we always forget what are the rules, what do the numbers mean again, all of that good stuff. So a credit score is this three-digit number attached to you that really determines your credit worthiness. And it is this 
like total catch 22 where you need credit to get credit and it feels almost like a never ending trap to a lot of people. The average FICO score is 706, which I find really interesting. Scores range from 300 to 850. So again, the higher the number, the better. And there are five factors that determine your credit score. They're payment history, amounts owed, your length of credit history, new credit, and credit mix. So that's it. Only those five factors make up your score. So if you're trying to raise your credit score, it's a really good idea to work on those first two, your payment history and the amounts owed, since those two account for more than 65% of your credit score. It's crazy. Let's start with some bad consequences. We're going to get the bad out first. Bankruptcy and foreclosure are serious bad news for your score, where you're likely to see a major credit score dip if you happen to land in one of those categories. They can stay on your credit report for up to seven years, and it's not the end of the world. So if you've had a bankruptcy or foreclosure, you don't need to freak out. There are steps you can take to better your credit score, but it's going to be a long process. Another bad consequence, missing three or more loan payments can put you at risk for really a large credit score dip. And just to keep this in perspective, it's not always the case, but I would say nine out of 10 times I see this happening. The higher your credit score, the more bad consequences you have with your credit score if you miss a payment or there's bankruptcy, anything like that. It tends to tank more in a bad situation if you have a higher credit score. If you have a more like middle of the road or lower credit score, you're still going to see a big point drop, but it's not going to be quite as like fear-inducing off-the-cliff drop as if you had a 700-plus credit score. Okay, so here are some middle-of-the-road consequences. Let's say you max out your credit card. Again, not a big deal. Happens to all of us from time to time, but you're likely to see a fairly decent drop since, again, the number two credit score factor is the amount you're owed. So in that situation, the best thing you can do is just put any extra cash you can to really dipping down that maxed amount on your credit card. Another middle-of-the-road consequence, the first time you make a late payment, you could see a drop too. So my advice is just Make it really easy. Get everything on auto draft so you don't miss a payment. Of course, you got to make sure that you've got enough cash in your bank account to support that. But I did that, oh gosh, maybe like 10 years ago. And it was the best thing ever because I can honestly be a little bit forgetful about when something is due. So it's just really easy for me to just have that stuff deducted from my bank account. Okay. Let's get on to some good news for your credit score. So you pay your bills on time. You are a superstar and your credit score goes up because again, number one factor is just, are you making your payments on time? You have mature accounts. Being mature when it comes to credit score is a really good thing. That means that you've kept your accounts open even when you've paid them off. So I see a lot of people like really anxious just to cancel the credit card, but because your length of credit history is one of those five factors, if you close one of the early accounts that you have opened, it can really impact your credit score. So I'm a fan of just leaving open those credit lines, tear up your card, put it away in a folder, whatever you need to do to not use that credit card, but just keep it open. Another thing that is really good news for your credit score is you have what's called a low credit utilization. So that just means that it's best to keep the amount of credit you used to 30% or less of the maximum available credit, right? So let's say we have a credit card and the max we can borrow or use on that credit card, I should say, is a thousand bucks. So we want to keep the amount we owe on that credit card to $300 or less to really keep our score jamming. So again, the good news is, look, even if your credit score is not great, maybe you're not happy with it, you can bring it up in a relatively short period of time. 
I think secured credit cards are like the number one tip. And simply just paying off debt and making sure that your payments are on time are going to keep your credit score jumping back up if you're trying to recover. I had a drop in my score after my divorce and worked on it for a couple of years and brought it back up to over 720. It took a little bit of time. It took a little creativity, but it can happen. So why does this matter? Why are we even talking about credit score? Well, the higher the credit score means the lower interest rate you're going to receive on loans, credit card interest, all of that good stuff. So in the end, that just means less cash out of your pocket that you're spending on debt and interest and more money you have to go towards all of your awesome, amazing goals. Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, I've been finding useful in my personal life and I think, you know, everyone can take some semblance of comfort in is that literally no one could have predicted what was happening right now. (laughs) And I think everyone is in some variation of an unfamiliar situation, right? They, you know, so many people are not prepared with things like emergency funds and the majority of our country does not have enough money to be out of work for three to six months. Um, And so this is not a time to feel any shame about what is going on in your you know financial life. And I think the fact that so many governments and, you know, private lenders and banks um, are stepping up to try to help support the, you know, country in terms of, okay, we understand that this is not a time that people are going to be able to do all the normal things that we're expecting them to do. And I think it's a really good time to take advantage of all of the options that people are giving you. And I mean, this is a really good time for you to sit back and look at those expenses that you have, you know, be real about how you've been spending money um, and, you know, how you can change those things over time so that you feel like you're in a stronger position when things get back to normal. But I don't think that this is a time for anyone to be like, oh, crap, I'm so pissed at myself for not doing X, Y, Z thing. Because <laughs> I just think there's like no way in any world that anybody would have been prepared to do something like this. I mean, there's such a few percentage of people in this country that are, you know, unaffected finance-wise by what's going on or majorly. I don't think there's anybody right, that's been yeah. unaffected, right? Um, but majorly affected that I think, you know, you can take some comfort in literally everyone around the world is dealing with a similar situation as you are right now, right? Even people who had thriving, I mean, I know people in my own life who had what you would consider as a a thriving business or a thriving career, let alone people in the restaurant industry. And it was literally like someone flipped a switch and all of a sudden now they're, they don't have money and they're, they're virtually out of business. And it's just, that crazy that something like this could happen that fast and that none of, I mean, none of us, I I naively never thought we would be in a position like we're in uh, during this time. So I think that there's just, you know, so many of us, like you said, are just in that same boat. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's so different. So let's say if you look back, you know, you know, 2008, you know, there a lot of the economic impacts of what happened were probably because we were making dumb decisions, right? Like (laughs) we weren't doing the right thing. Banks weren't doing the right thing. You know, there was just a lot of poor decisions being made across the board that led us to the position that we were in, in 2008, 2009. Um, That is so not the case right now that it is important to remember that. And I think there's been so many, I've seen, you know, quote tiles and stuff about like things that you can control, things you can't control. Like this is not a thing that you could have controlled or figured out, you know, how to deal with, right? Not everyone has the opportunity to get a job that is going to cover, you know, a year's worth of expenses for them. It's just not the world that we live in. I mean, and even businesses that you would thought would be thriving, right, you know, in just a normal economy. And if they made no wrong choices and how they run their business. It's like if you have all of a sudden everyone stops leaving their houses and (laughs) being able to go out and purchase things, um, you know, like it's just insane. It's like in what world would you have thought, you know, ride sharing apps would be having trouble. You you know, it just doesn't, you know, it's just not a thing that you would imagine. It's like these businesses are booming and they're humongous. And then it's like, oh, all of a sudden everyone stops doing everything. Like that's just not something that has ever sort of come out of 
a potential decision that individuals are making. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, are we all going to wake up from some sort of bad dream here soon? <laughs> no, we're, we're actually living in this. So let's yeah. just do the best we can. And uh, one of the things that I've gotten a lot of questions about from listeners is, mm-hmm. is credit scores. And yeah. I, I see it on both sides of the coin. A lot of listeners are asking, okay, I'm having to use my credit cards now. I know that my credit score is going to take a dip. And, and I need to figure out how to lessen that impact. And then on the other side, there's people that are saying, okay, right now, maybe I can focus more on on building up my score. So I'd love to kind of talk about both sides of, uh, you know, of those um, conversations. So on, on one side, what are some of the things you could do right now to enhance or, or better your credit score if possible? Yeah. So this is one of the things that, you know, we were talking about at the beginning, Nothing new here, right? This is sort of using credit cards 101, all probably things that people never thought they would have to think about. Um, so not super familiar. And I think this is something, this is a really good opportunity to educate people. I think, you know, credit cards are something that we're very passionate about the balance. And I think it's mostly because it's pretty much sometimes the only interaction you have with like a financial institution yes. out of outside of having a checking account. I mean, there are so many credit card applications that happen in the country every year. You know, everyone has a credit card, at least one, right? So knowing how to use it the right way and how to protect your credit score are really important. And I think, you know, credit scores, sometimes they get tied specifically to credit cards. And the idea is like, you may lean on your credit cards more often, especially during a time like now, and not realize that in 10 years, everything that you're doing right now can have an impact on, you know, what kind of mortgage you're going to get, you know, what kind of personal loans you're going to get. So understanding what to do is really important. So the things that, you know, you want to control, and these are really just breaking down all of the things that impact your credit score. So I'm going to go through that and then tell you a little bit about how you can improve that. So the biggest one that I think most people know is payment history. It's just like getting your bills paid on time. So being able to pay those bills on time is really, really important. Now, obviously, that might not be um, an option for you right now, considering you may have had a significant loss of income. So this is where you definitely want to get in touch with your credit card issuer and see what kind of relief options they have. Almost every major credit card issuer that we talk to at The Balance has some sort of deferment or forbearance. Um, in their agreement. So the idea is like, you want to touch base with your credit card issuer, you have to do it on a person to person basis, they're not just going to like give you a break on it. So you got to make sure you call them and explain what's going on. And and talk about what that, you know, forbearance option is for you, whether that's, you know, one month, three months, however long it takes, but you want to see what that is. Um, And then you also want to really make sure whatever you're doing, you get down in writing and you understand what the rules of the road are for that relief option. Because the idea is if then you have to pay the whole thing in three months um, or, you know, what are the ways that you can do it? Will not paying, are they going to be communicating that to your credit reports, right? You know, you don't want to just not pay and then still have it show up on your report. Um, So making sure you understand all the options you have there are really good. Um, Payment history is the biggest thing that impacts your credit score. So you want to make sure that thing is under control as much as possible. Uh, the debt level or what, you know, we call a credit utilization ratio is basically how much credit is out in your name versus how much credit are you using? We always say, I think there's like a best practice rule to like <laughs> keep that under 30% or something like right. that. That may not be the case right now. Uh, you may need to use your credit card more than normal. And I think that's sort of okay, as long as you are not maxing out your all of your cards. I think, you know, this is one where you have a little bit of playing room, you know, you want to be able to do it. And sort of, you know, in concert with that first one, which is payment history, right, you want to be able to suspend as much as you can, while maintaining a good payment history on your card. So I wouldn't worry about using more during the month if you're able, especially to pay it off at a later time. Yeah. And, and, uh, a question I get a lot, and this may seem really basic, but I think it's worth um, discussing is why does it matter if you have a good credit score? Like, h- how does this actually physically impact you as a person going forward? Yeah. So, you know, it leads into sort of like the next two major factors of your credit score, but it's really saying like this impacts you as a person because 
people who are essentially lending you money or things, let's say just like a apartment that you're trying to rent, um, want to understand that you have a good history with creditors. So you have a long history of good payment and you don't have issues with people who have lent you money in the past. Um, because at one point or another, everyone needs to borrow something from someone right. or some bank or something, right? You're getting a mortgage. You're, you know, there are so few people in the world that actually pay for things in entirely in cash. That's just not how our society <laughs> operates. And so at some point, you're going to need someone to lend you money or give you something. Um, having a good credit score, you know, and having a good history with creditors is just that extra sort of like seal of, of approval for someone to give you that thing that you're searching for. And it also is important if you have different kinds of credit. So it allows whoever is going to lend you that thing or money um, say, oh, okay, so they're able to manage like multiple things, right? They're not so tied down to one thing. Right. And so you're going to need to do it at some point in your life, whether it's, like I said, renting an apartment, getting a house, starting a business, um, you know, getting a new credit card or getting a loan of some sort, like at every place, like you're going to need to borrow money from somewhere. And making sure you have a good credit score is is the way to go. And I think you know, we've seen even now, this has sort of been a really big issue, let's say, for immigrants that come to this country, a lot of their right. credit, wow. you know, histories get completely wiped out, which is a huge obstacle to be able to improve your life. You know, you don't really think about all the things. It could be even like getting a cell phone contract or yeah. internet, you know, like so things that are so simple that you don't really even think about, you know, having good credit history is integral to survival essentially in this country. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And I know there's a lot of talk now about identity theft, like particularly with the the stimulus checks, which I think is one of the reasons why they came out with the whole direct deposit thing. So we mm -hmm. all weren't having, you know, $1,200 or $2,400 checks in our mailbox. But when it when it comes to your your credit and credit score, and particularly right now, what are some of the things to keep in mind about identity theft or ways to try to stop it before it starts? Yeah. So, I mean, now we're in a different situation. One of our fun facts was always to like pay your taxes as early as possible because that's a huge place oh, okay, that a lot yeah. of people, you know, find themselves sort of um, vulnerable to identity theft is that you always hear about how people are filing false, uh, right. false tax yeah. reports for you. And then you get then you won't get your returns until much later until they sort that out and it contains so much of your personal information. So I think the idea is just being really aware of all of the different parts of your finance that are out there. So looking at your credit score and making sure, you know, your reports and making sure everything that's on there is something that you know about. Because a lot of times things might pop up that may adversely affect your score later on. And so it's important for you to dispute those with your banks and, and get those cleared off of your report. Um, you know, taxes and the IRS, you have to realize, you know, they're not going to contact you in all of these different ways that a lot of these scams are so used to. And I think it's so like second nature for people who are involved in this industry to understand that. Right. Right. And it's like, no, the IRS isn't going to call you, but they're there's that send you an email. There's that like, panic though moment, right? Yeah. When you get a call and even if you know, okay, the scams are out there. It's like, wait a minute, the IRS is calling me like, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, a thing that I've always implemented is like when they tell you to call, it's like, okay, why don't you Google it or do something on your own, verify the information that they're saying before you give them a call back. Because right. almost more often than not, you can find out if that's real or not. But I think just understanding that this is another fun byproduct of everyone having to interact with all these people and institutions now is like, you're learning how these businesses or government agencies work, right? Most people just have never done that before. And so they don't realize that literally the IRS will never call you or send you an email. That's just like not how it works. They will <laughs> send you paper mail or they will <laughs> send you something directly into your bank accounts. That's just like how it works. Right. And so most people just may not have ever interacted with them before. And so they just don't know what to expect. Um, so I think it's important to look for stuff like that, but I think taking a look at your credit reports, getting familiar with that, you know, keeping an eye on your bank accounts and your credit card statements is always the first thing. Um, and, you know, being hyper vigilant on, Things, you know, unfortunately, scammers tend to prey in 
moments of vulnerability. That's why we hear a lot of people that are elderly sort of get preyed on with these things. When people just don't know what's going on or they're really confused about what's happening around the world, you know, this yeah. is a good opportunity for someone to come in and scam you. So the idea is like, just be really vigilant. Um, double check everything that you're getting in your emails or your statements um, to make sure, you know, you're on the up and up. How, how often should you check your credit score? Well, you're able to get a free credit report every year. But I think the really good thing is that most banks and credit card issuers and stuff are giving you giving you access to this stuff now right. um, as just a customer. So yeah. you can actually look at this as often as you want. Um, I think, you know, getting a full report, you can use, you know, annualcreditreport.com to get one every year to see your full report and your breakdown. But I think the idea is that... Um, you can look at it as often as you want. I think, you know, it's mostly useful when you are looking to make a big purchase, finance something, um, which might not be right now, to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, but if you're also like worried about how things are impacting your score, you know, you can look as often as you want. There are so many different companies out there that are offering this as a service. You know, you should be able to have access to it as frequently as you want. You know, I'd say once a month, you know, every couple months, depending on what your comfort level with your credit score is. If you've noticed that it hasn't changed over the last year, you know, you can do it more infrequently. But I would say, you know, you can look at it as often as you want, depending on what your personal situation is. That is great advice. We have talked about so much. Uh, and, and I love like one of the themes that I've really come out from our conversation is if you're in a situation, particularly if you if you don't understand or if you're trying to figure out if you can get forbearance on your credit card payment or whatever it is, call the company, ask the questions, like don't mm -hmm. be afraid during this time to ask questions. And sometimes that means not on the chat feature, that means calling and, and talking to a live human. But I'm curious as, as we wrap up, are there any other sort of best practices or, or, or tips or a couple of things that we can that we can do as action items today to help us financially during this time to just either, you know, beef up on those foundational elements or, or put us in a position where at least we feel like, you know, we've got a fighting chance right now. Yeah. Um, so I think you what you said is just the number one thing is just making sure you're staying in close contact with all of your personal lenders, your banks, and understanding sort of what your options are if you need them. Even if you don't need them right now, um, I think it's, you know, the first step we should, everyone should do is just, this is a great time to revisit your budget and yeah. understand how much income you have going in. Your spending patterns have a hundred percent changed <laughs> since January of this year when you probably looked at your budget for the first time, um, if you looked at it at all. So we have a lot of time on our hands. So it's a good time to actually revisit the concept of a budget, understand your expenses, your income, and sort of rejigger what that is, even if it's just for whatever this temporary time frame is. Um, and then get in contact with all of the people that are a part of that budget. And by people, I mean lenders or banks or, you know, credit card companies or subscription services of any kind that you have and understand you know, what are their options if you are unable to pay or if you need to take advantage of some of the relief that they have, they are offering to customers. Um, so I think that's a really good one. I think a, another really easy one, and this kind of dovetails the same thing, is like talking to your credit card issuers is really important. Um, I think a good opportunity and something you could do all the time, but right now is certainly checking in on the interest rates of your credit cards. Yeah. So if you have the opportunity to get those lowered, so the Fed has lowered interest rates, they've made it way easier for you know banks to lend out money, and that often means that they can lower interest rates for um, their consumers. So I think taking a look and saying like, okay, can I get my interest rates lowered? Even if you're not really in a situation where your financial you know income has changed, but this is a good opportunity to say like, hey, let me take advantage of what's actually happening in the world right now and owe less interest. I mean, we don't ever advocate for you carrying a balance on your credit card, but credit cards have the highest interest rates of almost any financial product. So you want to take advantage of that. I think it's good for everyone to do, even if you can still pay most of your expenses, you might as well take advantage of that option. Um, so I think doing that is really important. And then just being aware of what's going on. If you have like those bigger investment accounts, like 401ks or IRAs, um, and just 
keeping an eye on what's happening, but I'd say, you know, given the audience of this podcast, I'd say just take a look at what's happening, but probably don't do anything. Um, I think a lot of people's initial reaction, one of the more common questions that we got asked at the balance was like, my IRA is tanking or my 401k is down 30%. What do I do? Most of the answer is that if you have, if you're in your 30s or 40s even or later, but as you know, as long as you're not retiring yeah, yeah. in the next like three to five years, maybe um, one to five years, I would say just it's probably nothing. Probably don't do anything with what's in there right now. If you can continue to contribute to your 401k, I think you should um, just to keep it a habit. But I would say it's almost to do nothing there. It's like, you know, revisit those, your long-term goals, make sure you're still going to be able to achieve them. Um, but the whole concept of investments in general is to keep them there for a really long time. So we don't want anyone to potentially lose money or especially have like a tax, you know, pay taxes on an income right now that is going to be sort of unadvantageous for them. Um, but definitely just, you know, keep it there, but just be aware of what's going on. So you feel like you're a little bit more in control but uh, most most likely than not, don't do anything at all. <laughs> Tell me, okay, what did you take away from today's episode? If you learned nothing else, I hope that you took away that 2008 and 2020 are very different years. And hopefully you're looking at your money differently right now as well. That you're not afraid to take steps. You're not afraid of what you don't know. Focus on what you can do today with what you've got. If you want to check out more about Lauren and The Balance, head on over to thebalance.com or be sure to check them out on any social platform. I will be sure to have links in the show notes, so always go to check there. As a reminder, we are changing the language around money on this show to help you unlock the life you want to live. Now that you're part of this community, it's up to all of us to invite others in, so share this episode with someone that you know needs to hear about credit score, the importance, and some good old money tips for this time of the year. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.